Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nesting, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're going to talk about the player cards in the newest Mythos pack, Weaver of the Cosmos. Weaver of the Cosmos. Yeah, yeah, I don't really have a joke for this. Uh, everything is going insane. Uh, life is a life is a nightmare. Uh, everyone's terrified. <laughs> uh, I I don't know. Oh, Ben Ben did mention something very funny about about the this pack name though. Oh, W O T C. Yeah. Which uh, I mean, look. Obviously, I'm very into looking for hidden hidden meanings of things. Uh, the only possible explanation for this is someone at FFG sending us a secret message as to who killed Netrunner. That that is exactly what this is. A giant spider god. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's sort of actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, basically. With with, with reach. Uh, at least you finally accepted that Netrunner is dead, so it's good. Well, I mean, <laughs> it has an afterlife. I think it's the first step. <laughs> You know, it's it's like I said, it's death is only the beginning uh, for for Netrunner. So so TLDR, we hope that you're all safe and sound in your cozy homes, being quarantined from the absolute madness happening. We uh, we also have no idea when this pack will actually be released. Could be in a very long time, but the you know the the cards are are out, so we're going to go ahead and talk about them anyway. And I think it, it's being released in some places, right? Like other countries, provided they're not all burning to the ground. Yes. Yeah, it depends how quarantined they are and shipping and all that jazz. Yeah. The cards are physically printed somewhere. It's just whether they get into the hands of people so they you know, have them. Where's Where's the Fantasy Flight Games branded drones to deliver these to our <laughs> local game stores? But you know what? We did align our energies to begin this podcast so that we could start talking about these cards in these trying times. We did. I, I feel really good about the alignment of our energies and, 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 and our spiritual harmony. So with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, the first card from this pack. It's called Spiritual Resolve. It is a guardian asset. It costs three. It's level five. It has one willpower icon on it. It is a ritual. And it says, Myriad, free trigger, discard a copy of Spiritual Resolve from your hand, heal all damage and horror from this copy of Spiritual Resolve. It has three health and three sanity, and it takes up a arcane slot. So maybe uh, maybe one of the last Myriad cards that we'll see for a while, I would think. Uh, there's one other one coming up later in the pack, too. Yeah, most likely, assuming they don't uh, continue to pump them out in future cycles. Uh, I know this one's interesting, because it kind of lets you discard your extra, extra copies to heal it, uh, instead of having to like play over it, so it can like save you resources, but it's not quite as efficient as if you just played a new one, because the most it could heal is two and two. Yeah, you don't have to pay to play it, I guess, is the difference. So it kind of seems like if you just have these in your deck, you're probably going to be very hard to kill, because you're just going to be able to put a lot of damage and horror on these. But it is, I don't know, it is kind of, uh, I don't know, I'm wondering, like, who really wants this enough, badly enough to spend 5 XP on it? Uh, I mean, it's called, like, uh, Carolyn can use it, because it heals horror. <laughs> well, if you're Tommy, this just gets destroyed by your weakness. Yeah, that's fine as Tommy. I mean, well, Tommy just kind of wants to kill it anyway, though, right? He doesn't actually want to heal it. I know. I don't think this is a very good Tommy card at all. Yeah, this is like close to being good for Tommy, but I think it's weirdly like pretty bad for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a slot that's not contested uh, too much for Guardians, right? Well, the Enchanted Blade. Uh, yeah, that's true, but they have two, two Arcane slots, so 
It's not, there's not too much contention right now. I think just a lot of experience for something that you don't necessarily need. It's like a little overkill, I think. You can use it in place of like a first aid kit or something. So that where you just use it, you take a damage horror, take a damage horror, then you heal it uh, more efficiently. Like it's less actions, but... It's true, but a first aid kit can be used on other people and on your own allies. Like as as Mark, you know, you often use like a first aid kit on your beat cop to give yourself a little bit more horror soak and also to get another beat cop activation. Yeah. You can't do that with this. Right, right, right. Carolyn can use it because it heals horror. Obviously, she doesn't normally have access to level five <laughs> guardian cards. Right, 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 right. Um, but I don't, again, I don't know if she would want to use it, though, because it's kind of slow. I think the main use case I can think of for this is in some, if you're playing somebody like Roland that has low sanity and you really just want something to keep you sane, previously you would sometimes take an Elder Sign amulet later in the campaign, and this is just definitely better because it takes up a slot that you're less likely to need it uh you know that as the whole myriad thing you can you know you can refresh it so i think if you're just worried about going insane as a guardian and you don't have a better way to deal with that then this is a pretty reasonable thing to do it's just tough because of the five experience it's five experience but remember for myriad you can put all three copies in your deck for five experience that is true that is true my bigger kind of problem with it is that it only gives you one willpower icon I was going to say that. If this was like a will and a wild or like two will or something, I would be a lot more interested in it just because then the other copies, if you don't need to refresh your first one, you can commit. But one willpower icon is sort of, eh, it's good, but it's not that great. Taking a look at a level zero card that does similar things and commits for two will rather than just one, Solemn Vow gives you almost infinite heal over time not so much like this this could take kind of a a huge blunt three horror hit or whatever but like solemn vow can like slowly heal if you've got like a carolyn or something in your group kind of what this would do and it's another myriad card that's level zero i was kind of expecting for something like this to have two will at least but but solemn vow you need to have something to actually heal because solemn vow itself just moves the damage and horror around like it works great if you have somebody with like um jessica and peter or whatever Basically what I was thinking was I could imagine like a solo Roland build that's going to take a lot of hits late in the campaign or something, or solo some other Guardian might want to think about this, because then they wouldn't have access to a kind of like a full group with like a healer. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, but in solo, experience is a little bit tighter, and like I feel like there'd be higher priority stuff in this. It is true, but I mean, like, if you're if you really need to to keep you if you took a if you took a trauma from cover up or something, and you really need to keep yourself sane, and it's a choice between you can get one copy of Elder Sign Amulet for whatever that is, three or four experience, or you can get three copies of this for five. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, I don't know. Seems seems pretty all right. Maybe a bit niche, but sometimes the level five cards are. Yeah, that's cool. So let's move on to the next card. The next card is a Seeker card. It is. Abigail Foreman, the library intern. She costs three resources. She is a level four asset, commits for one intellect symbol and one agility symbol. She's an ally, Miskatonic subtype. As a fast action, attach a tome asset in your play area to Abigail Foreman, or switch a tome asset in your play area with an attached asset. The asset attached to her takes up no hand slots, limit one attached asset. And then as a triggered ability, after you resolve an action ability on the attached tome, asset exhaust her and resolve its effects again. She gives you one health and two sanity, and she takes up your ally slot. It's finally here, Daisy's best friend. This is a this is a ridiculously good card for Daisy, right? This is like exactly what Daisy's looking for. It's tote bag the person. <laughs> pretty pretty much. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. My my one question is, suppose you're you're using a tome that has like charges or secrets on it, like the Scroll of Prophecies. You don't consume an additional charge or secret when you use uh, Abigail's trigger, do you? Because it's part of the cost, it's not part of the effects. Right, you only resolve the effects again. I also, uh, the other thing I would like to say about this card, just as a little indicator of how uh, how crazy everyone's mental state is right now, is her name seemed really familiar, so I was like trying to figure out what her name was, was from, and the only thing I could think of is um, in Ferris Bueller, when they try to go into the fancy restaurant, and he pretends to be Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure this isn't a reference to that, but I did seriously think about it for about 30 seconds. Are you, are so. you doing okay, Dan? Like, <laughs> oh, no, I just, hey, look, man, I love Ferris Bueller. It's a great movie. Uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, great for Daisy. This is like a, an extra action for Daisy, effectively, every turn. If, you know, double use of her tome for free, right? Yeah, because Daisy plays books that a lot of times you just want to activate every turn, like Old Book of Lore and Scroll of Prophecies. So if you want to activate it every turn, why don't you activate it twice every turn instead? Yeah, even like Encyclopedia, use it to buff two stats or split it up onto two different people or something. Oh, yeah. Because uh, like, you're resolving the effects again. I mean, stuff that's like targeting an investigator, you could pick a different investigator to target. Oh, it's just about to ask that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Unless the wording is like weird, usually it's like, you know, colon choose investigator to do something you know everything out the after, everything after the colon is the effect so so we all agree that this is a great daisy card i think my only two questions are how does this compare to other possible allies that daisy can play and would anyone else ever use it and for the first question i mean daisy can use dr milan although she doesn't do so as often now that he's been tabooed she can use mr rook uh who's great but maybe not quite as necessary for her and then maybe um, the research librarian that tutors for a book, but that's sort of like maybe you play it once and then you calling in favors to bounce it or something. Yeah, like like using research librarian and then calling in favors Abigail sounds great. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this might just be like the best Daisy ally now. Yeah, oh yeah, certainly. Yeah, I'm very excited to use it in Daisy. And does anybody else play it? I think the answer is probably no, but... You know? Maybe if if you're Mandy and you've got Old Book of Lore as your like primary search thing, the upgraded Old Book of Lore is actually pretty good, regardless of who you are. It's it's uh, you know allows you to put something into play for cheaper, I believe. So she'd be able to do that twice. And seeing as how like the sheer number of things that she can tutor from her from her deck is just crazy, and then combined with this would be pretty great. It is it is true that triggering this on upgraded old book of lore would be great, but the thing with Mandy is that I think Mandy's trigger where she gets to take an additional card or look at three more cards would not apply if you used Abigail to copy the the effect. Like you'd only you still only get to, to do Mandy's trigger once, I think, right? Well you'd be able to search for three cards and put two of them out, right? Well, you'd, so you're Mandy, you have upgraded old book of lore or whatever, and you have Abigail. You activate old upgraded old book of lore. And you use uh, Mandy's ability on it so that you get to look at six cards or so that you get to look at three and take two, whatever. And then after that's over, then you exhaust Abigail and use Abigail's trigger. But now Mandy's, Mandy's ability has already been used up this turn. Right. So, you, so you, your second activation of the book, you don't get to either take an extra card or look at three more. Right. But you still get to look at three, grab one, and then play one. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that, like, uh, I'm just saying that for Mandy using abigail for mandy with old book of lore this is like getting like 50 percent more stuff instead of like 100 percent more oh sure sure how does this work with uh other world codex too does it actually work that you would search the top nine cards for an encounter deck to pick a non-elite thing discard a copy of that and then you could do that whole thing over again oh yeah or are you just searching for a copy of that same exact treasury no again everything after the colon 
You're not... When you repeat an effect, it doesn't have to be exactly the same decisions about that effect. Cool. Yeah, it's Very like cool. you, you just like read you just like read the text again, basically. Yeah, like there's definitely like a good handful of tomes they've definitely added recently that I think spread out into more investigators. I don't know if we use them as often, but like yeah, well, the World of Codex. Um, I think Dane's, Dane was using that in something we were doing recently. <laughs> it seemed, seemed like it was pretty all right. The Dream Team. I think there's also there's starting to be kind of like a very strange assembly of like cards you can play with the book that lets you play spells from your hand and the spell that lets you play books and things. Yeah. If you combine all that stuff with this, you can probably do some weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd so. Forgotten the names of those cards, but you're right. Like those would combo with this as well because it's those are all like uh, you know an action ability on a tome accent. Oh no! Actually, no. You have to you have to attach it to her though. So it's only stuff that's attached to her. Right, right, right. But what, one of those lets you trigger one that's in your player, right? Is it knowledge of power? Let you do that. Yeah, knowledge is power. You can resolve a action or fast action ability on an asset, but you just choose yeah. the asset. You don't choose the actual uh, card. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, Daisy's waited like five cycles for this card. <laughs> Daisy's new best friend for sure. Yeah, solid card for Daisy and anyone that you know makes use of tomes. So. uh... Let's move on to the next card. The Eye of Truth. Uh, it is a Seeker skill card, level 5, with four wild icons on it. Wow. it's a lot. Spell practiced. If the skill test is on a treachery and the test is successful, add that treachery to the victory display and attach the Eye of Truth to it. While attached, the Eye of Truth contributes its skill icons to all tests on copies of the attached treachery. It's always watching you. So, Dan, didn't you have an experience with this uh, recently? <laughs> you were, like, kind of proxying it? I, uh... No, I, I did. So we were playing through just the, the Dream World side of Dream Eaters again. Uh, and I was, uh, or no, this was, I, I guess actually our first run through, I was playing Mandy. And I had some extra XP, so I proxied this for the final scenario just for fun. So I managed to use it on uh, Abandoned by the Gods, which is the encounter card where you do a big will test, and for every point you fail by, you pick a number, and everybody has to discard their cards that have cost equal to that number. So potentially, if somebody fails it really badly, it can just wipe out everyone's hand, which is really bad. So I was able to just use this on the first one that we drew, and then for the rest of the game, we basically didn't have to worry about it anymore. So that was pretty fun. It's extremely good. I I think that this is kind of like sort of limited in how often you're going to be able to get that type of result from this. Like you need to have a specific type of encounter card in the deck. You need to either be the person that draws that card or be able to like let me handle this to take it or something. One of the persons at your location. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, like a lot of things have to go right, but it, I think it, it's like a fun, cool kind of like flex to like use this to basically like negate an encounter card, and it yanks an encounter card out of the deck as well for the rest of the scenario. Yeah, right. It, it takes it out as well as making the other copies of it easier to deal with. Yeah, the the thing that I found most funny of this was I didn't even notice this for a long time, and then finally I was just staring at the card and I said, "Wait a minute, this is like strictly better than unexpected courage, right?" Because it, it literally just has four question mark icons on it, and there's nothing that says you can't commit it to whatever test you want. Yeah, it's right. right. If, you, if you don't do the treachery part, it's still four question marks. So, so if nothing else, if you're a seeker and you have as enough XP, eventually you should just swap out your courages for this. Because what else? You know, once you like totally run out of other things to spend XP on, you might as well. So there's a little contest held a little while ago called "How Low Can You Go," and there's a very specific test. That has to do with with the the depth level, and the skull gets increasingly worse as you go further and further down. I think this card is the key to doing extremely well in that contest because you could technically put like two of them on that one skill, right? Like you could have the eye of truth committed and then get it 
successful and then have it put aside. And then when the next copy of that card comes, you can do another Eye of Truth to that, right? And then you'll add that copy so that you'll get eight question marks every time that, that that specific encounter card happens. And you'll also take two of them out. Yeah, then there'll only be like one copy of that card left probably. I think that specific card's Bathophobia, and there's like four or five copies of it. Oh, are there? I don't know. I mean, following up on that, like an interesting use for this card is like in Circle and Done where there's those sets of three cards that like when you get the third one, something bad happens. Like oh, that's right. You get rid of one of those cards <laughs> and you don't care about them the rest of the game. Like the thing that summons the Piper or whatever, or the, uh, there's a couple of them in the, in the final scenario too, but. Sure, sure. So that could be, I think this is like a good card if you have played through a scenario already and you know about a particular thing you want to target. I think it's like a little bit harder to use on like a blind playthrough or whatever. Mm, yeah very true because a lot of the cards that are scariest in the, in the encounter deck often don't have a test associated with them like ancient evils uh there are but there are some that are scary there's like um was it wrath of umordhoff back in the core set like there definitely are there definitely are in some scenarios a particular card where there's there's a test and it's just really brutal and you would love to be able to make it a lot easier for the rest of the scenario yeah i mean definitely this is even stronger in like higher difficulties, right? As Danny was saying, how yeah. low we can go, but just hard or expert with a counter bag is worse, and you want to yeah. bear a chance at passing those more difficult ones. It's good for that. Yeah, but I, I do tend to think that apart from maybe expert, which we don't really play very much and we don't really know a lot about, you should probably prioritize cards that are going to directly make your own deck more consistent and make you better at getting clues and stuff for a while. But then at some point, once you've kind of got the low-hanging fruit and you've gotten all the cards like... um you know, Glimpse the Unthinkable, or uh, you've upgraded your Strange Solution, all that stuff. Eventually, once you have, like, kind of the the super high-priority stuff, then this is a pretty reasonable way to spend 5 XP, I think. Yeah, I honestly think you're always going to have a target for this when you're in Mythos packs, like, 4 to 8. There's always just going to be, like, that one card that's just a test that's like, oh my god, if I fail this, I just go insane, or whatever. There are just so many cards that that just will trip people up. And it's especially good for people who are particularly susceptible to specific tests. For example, like Norman, who has really bad agility, could could just commit this to a agility test and then just never have to worry about another agility test for the rest of the game. Or if you have a Finn in your group. <laughs> although although Norman Norman can't take it, though, right? Well, yes, that's what I mean, though. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to make up for those sorts of handicaps, you could have it. Yeah, commit it to other people. You could you could go all seekers yeah. and get eight of these and make every single one, every single thing that has a test on it easier. Oh man! But then the encounter deck becomes really heavy with enemies, though. You've like yeah. diluted all the uh, encounters out of it because <laughs> you've removed all the treacheries from the game. But then you've all got the most powerful weapon in the game. Yeah, if you have enough melteronis, <laughs> you might be fine. Are there are there any weaknesses that have tests on them? There because those are treacheries. Like this doesn't say a non weakness treachery. I can't think of any offhand, guess, but maybe no, maybe not. Uh, but uh and and i i do think that the the best targets for this campaign specific ones like lost soul oh yeah that's sure, true but... <laughs> but but i do think the best targets for this generally if you if you already have one in your deck and you're trying to figure out what to, when to use it anything that's like amount you fail by matters is probably a good target for it because then even if someone has low enough skill value that they're probably still going to fail you're still helping them and anything in general like something that's like a three or a four difficulty and like really bad consequence like a crypt chill or something maybe you want to pick the card where, like, based on your group and based on how hard the test is, having plus 40 or skill value is going to make a huge difference in how often people will pass it. Yeah. yeah. I also feel like this card is kind of a natural shoe-in. If you have, like, if you're a seeker in a group with a couple rogues, I think it's especially good because 
it gives them even more of a chance to just trick her lucky cigarette case every turn. Even if it's just like mm-hmm. an agility test that's like three or four or something like that, you commit an eye of truth to it to just get yourself out of it. Let's say like your min or somebody who's not necessarily great at it. That just helps them so much more. They're just going to trigger lucky cigarette case like literally every single turn in that case. So I think well, it's even better for that. Maybe. I mean, when they draw the other two copies of the encounter card or whatever that are still in the deck. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, anything else about Eye of Truth, or should we uh, should we move on? I have one complaint. The art for this, great, but Very this cool. is the art for where God, the gods dwell. So that's kind <laughs> of a thing that they've been doing, though, right? Because Delilah was on the front of the the pack before she actually came out. Oh, yeah, you're right. Point of no return, I think. I think I remember somebody asking one of the Netrunner lead designers at some point, like, how do you pick which image goes on the front of the pack? And I think it was basically like, oh, it, it's almost random. <laughs> But yeah, it, I, yeah I, I don't think it's like, I don't think that they spend a huge amount of time making sure that the image on the pack directly corresponds to anything. Well, I, I assumed this like picture was like supposed to, is reminiscent of some form of Nyarlathotep or something. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's why it's on where gods dwell. That's his thing. But I thought it was, I thought it was the Illuminati or whatever. I mean, it might be a little bit of, a little bit of both. Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. I have a really, really fun card to read. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so this is a, a rogue asset. Uh, Joey the Rat Vigil back again in a in a more powerful form. Maybe not even his final form. We'll have to see if there's ever a level five. <laughs> uh, so this version of Joey the Rat Vigil is cost two, level three. Uh, he's still looking out for number one, and he has a intellect icon and an agility icon. He's an ally and a criminal, and he has a free trigger. Spend one resource, choose an item asset from your hand to play it, paying its cost. He already had that. The difference is he now has an additional free trigger. Discard an item asset from play, gain two resources. He still has three health and two sanity and takes up the ally slot. The other difference is that he now costs two instead of four. So he's cheaper and he has an additional free trigger that he can use whenever he wants. I'm very upset that he's not looking out for number two. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that would be, that'd be, that'd be a nice little evolution, a nice character arc for him. <laughs> I'm disappointed that he is less generous than our buddy Aesop from the cyber future and that he only gives you two resources for selling one of your things instead of giving you three. So that's a little bit of a shame. I was very excited for an Aesop's type card. And for for everybody who doesn't know, Aesop's would basically be an asset that says at the beginning of your turn, you choose something in your play area and you can you can choose to uh, discard it and then gain three bucks, essentially three, three resources. So very similar. Extremely great and fun Netrunner card. Yeah, so so this guy almost does more because whereas whereas that is a kind of a one-time effect, he can do like, if you have like two empty guns and you just found another gun or like, you know, your big whatever that you want to play, you could just sell all your stuff, right? Because he doesn't need to exhaust himself. He could just like sell guns, sell your cigarette case if you absolutely need money under no circumstance, can you not? And then you can put that asset into play paying his... Uh, rat cost. I'm just going to call it the rat cost. <laughs> the rat price. <laughs> yeah. So really, like the first time you're using this to put an item asset into play, you're paying two for him, which is much more affordable than four. Then you're paying one on top of that. So you're kind of paying three for Joey to use his effect, but you've also got the added bonus of if you have an item asset, you can you can discard it. Um, so I'll lead to my first question, actually. In Carcosa, you do get an asset, and mild spoilers for Carcosa, that you can put in your deck. It's a weakness. If you play that, can you use Joey to, to discard it? Oh, yes. That's great. Absolutely. <laughs> you can use Joey. I think you can use Joey to discard. Uh, is Kleptomania is not an item asset, right? No, no, no. <laughs> Everything, it would need to be an item, yeah. But Weaknesses, 
Uh, once they're in play, you can discard them unless they say on them, like, cannot be removed from play except for whatever, like, Daisy's Necronomicon or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out if there was some combination you could do with him where you could play, like, level zero, uh, or not level zero, uh, cost zero items and then trash them and make money. It's tough because you're always paying one to put it into play with his ability. I think that with the right specific item and the right sort of looping stuff, it's very possible that this could be part of some degenerate combo at some point. <laughs> Just because, I mean, this gets this potentially gets you money and gets something into the into the discard pile, and then if you have something else that can you know get it back in your hand or back into the into play or something, it's, it's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I I would love to see something that says when you discard this, like draw a card, or when you just it costs zero when you discard this draw a card, or when you discard this gain two dollars or something like that. Because then you actually have something that he can benefit from. I I think his main use is, as Dane mentioned at the top, using him with weapons once they're out of ammo to trash them and get money back, and then or using it to fast play a new weapon. Yeah, other stuff stuff that has like charges or uses or supplies or whatever. Uh, using him to like once you've used up that asset, trash it and get money back. Uh, that seems like pretty strong and like a good reason to maybe use him as maybe your second ally. I don't know if he's a st- still primary ally material yet, but. <laughs> I'm a little, I mean, I like, I like this card. I think it's a cool card. I think that it would need to do a little bit more for you than that for it to be worth, you know, because you're already probably playing Leo and maybe uh, Delilah or something like you're already looking at other green allies that are quite good in order for it to be really worth it for, to put this in your deck. I think it would, it wouldn't just be like, oh, well, a couple times per scenario, I can sell an empty gun for a few bucks. It would have to be like, I have some specific combination of cards that like, I know I can get value out of with this. And I, at the moment, I can't think of anything, although maybe people that are more creative will be able to come up with something. Yeah. I feel like in terms of rogue allies, there's like the holy trifecta. There's like Leo, Lulu, and Delilah. And it's really hard to justify like anything other than that, unless there's there's actually something that's really strong that can kind of combo with Joey, so to speak. Like if they made a card that were just like that. Well, and, and if we ever if we ever do like a monocolored run, we do like four rogues, then like not everyone can take Leo. Right? Very so true, maybe very true. at that point, maybe then you get into you have to reach a little bit further down the list of allies. But yeah, it, it's a cool card. I just I, I don't think that I don't think that this kind of piece is available that I know of that's going to make it like consistently good enough that this is worth playing over one of the allies that dane mentioned yeah yeah i think it depends on the investigator i don't think you need all three of those for every rogue well no but but in that case like is this worth getting is it worth getting your second charisma paying like nine xp for a second charisma and two copies of this guy i don't know i think it might be i think you can do some fun stuff with him i think he's now playable versus uh terrible because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no i I think I agree with that. It's it's mostly the problem is that that first ability he has where you get to basically spend a resource to save a click when you want to play an item is nice to have in some situations, but I just that doesn't really do very much. Like if you have a ton of money, it can save you a click sometimes when you're going to play an, an an item. Hold up. All right. What if we use him to play Colt Vest Pocket, shoot all the Colt Vest Pocket gun uh, bullets using extra actions or whatever, and then you trash it before your turn ends so you get two money back? We've done it. We got there. That's it. Pinnacle rogue technology. Buddy, you just put Colt Vest Pocket in your deck. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm not super interested in that, but uh, give it a a try. Tell us how it goes. All right, let's move on to the next card. (laughs) (laughs) A card that we're actually pretty excited about. It's called Sawed Off Shotgun. It is a level 5 rogue asset. It costs 3 resources to play. It commits for a combat symbol and an agility symbol. It's an item, weapon, firearm, and illicit, which means poor Preston can't play it. 
It uses two ammo. Uh, action, spend one ammo, fight. Instead of its standard damage, this attack deals one damage for each point you succeed by, to a minimum of one, to a maximum of six. If you fail and would damage another investigator, it deals one damage for each point you fail by, to a minimum of one, maximum of six. Takes up one hand slot. So we've seen this somewhere, right? The art? Just the effect. This is this is basically the, the rogue mirror to the beloved... Guardian shotgun, and I say beloved and completely in jest because <laughs> there are just a lot of other really good cards that Guardians have gotten as as like big chunky guns to to murder things with. But this is one handed. This this can be sleight of handed, even with the <laughs> the taboo errata. Oh uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean the comparing to like the Guardian one, which obviously different classes have access or different investigators have access to these. But like the Guardian one gives you like a strength bonus, and I think it has a lower cap, and it takes up two hand slots. Right, right. Costs right. more. And less XP. So this is definitely a very uh, a rogue themed version of the shotgun for sure, where it's <laughs> yeah, it doesn't give you bonuses, but there's potential for a higher amount of damage. Right. Like, like given that you want to succeed by a lot, it is tough to give up that plus three combat. But this is still, I think, overall a lot better than the guardian version. I mean, you're probably throwing this in Tony or maybe Skids. Uh, oh yeah. You already have high fight, and you already have other cards to try to pump yourself up to succeed by whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, you know, throw in double or nothing or something in, in, in there and make it so you somehow succeed by six and do 12 damage, you know? Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be kind of ridiculous in some cases. I mean, it, it is also, I think you do want ways to get ammo back on it because it only has two shots, but. They just got swift reload too. And sleight of hand is also another way to technically do and that. And contraband and, and, you know, like, um, Tony, for instance, if he's playing, if he's playing uh, Guardians is off class, can even play extra ammunition as well. Right, but right. I mean, you, you like save this for shooting something that has like low fight but a lot of health. Like it could be your old friend, uh, conglomeration of spheres or something. Oh yeah. Like you don't, maybe don't use this as your your main weapon or something because you can use two hands. So you like you you like save the ammo for the right target. I think. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think this also elevates uh, one of the cards that I was I was a little done about recently. Let God sort them out because now rogues have a way to actually deal six damage in one action, then play yeah. the card. <laughs> like God sort out is a great fun card for the person that is playing it, but maybe not for everybody else involved. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's also worth mentioning. This is a level five uh, rogue card that Finn can play, right? Because it's illicit. It is. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think that, I don't know, I, I feel like this is going to be way better in Tony than everybody else, just because if you're trying to succeed by a lot, having five combat, like, uh, is going to just do a lot more for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think that with, like, skids, you're going to have a hard time succeeding by enough for this to really be worth it. But, I mean, you might be able to get there. You can chain some some of those skill cards together that they've added recently to get up to big numbers for, like, one or two tests. Yeah. Just you can't consistently get to big numbers, I think, as much with skids. Yeah. No, great card. Very excited. This is pretty cool. I like the. I like the very. It, it really does feel like the kind of like the rogue theme alternate version of the guardian one in in like a very cool and clever way. Yeah, without yeah. being the very specific actual mirrors from the the um, dual class cards. Yeah, and, and and they didn't go they didn't go overboard with it with like oh it shoots money or something you know like it's <laughs> you know it's oh it shoots dice and if the dice roll you get a no, no, you know. <laughs> The shot sawed off dice gun. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the mystic cards. Right. So the first mystic card is Mind's Eye. It is a level two asset, cost three, with one willpower icon. Ritual, Myriad uses three secrets. Reaction trigger, when you would test your intellect, combat, or agility, spend one secret. Test your willpower instead. Free trigger, discard a copy of Mind's Eye from your hand. Place two secrets on this copy of Mind's Eye, and it takes up 
Oh, what's this? There's two stars on this card, guys. I think I saw this in the core rulebook once. This is a double arcane slot. Oh my god. The first one we've seen in... Finally. Three, four years. It takes up your sideways snowman slot. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like when you're doing like a mother-daughter ritual or something, or father-son ritual, whatever. Aww. <laughs> you have like the Aww. bigger... <laughs> the bigger arcade circle and the smaller one nearby you know the most heartwarming of circles <laughs> or were the kids like driving the fake steering wheel in the car <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so uh it's an interesting card um i think the idea is that you could use this instead of like any other spell to make use of your willpower so you could like do basic actions or use other cards that you know boost those basic actions but don't necessarily like, use your willpower and then you know move away from using spells in your deck or, or at least spell assets I mean, it, yeah, because it's it's definitely, it reminds me of Empower Self in that the real sticking point is, do I want to give up? I mean, Empower Self was only one arcane slot, and we were like, this is kind of tough. This is two. I, I, like, if I am if I was trying to make an argument for this, one thing that's worthwhile is it, it's kind of like a um, Sixth Sense that has charges on it, if you're going to be investigating. So, like, it's, you know, okay, it takes up two spell slots, but one of those is kind of like you would have had Sixth Sense. So, maybe... Yeah, I mean, this is different than Empower Self, though, because Empower Self let you use those other skills instead of willpower, while this is doing willpower instead of the other skills, which it makes more sense for most mystics, at least that is true. You know, out of the gate. But you know what else makes sense for most mystics is playing arcane assets that take up arcane slots. I mean, this saves you money uh, if you don't have to play all those assets, <laughs> and you can refill it for free. But you're also not doing extra damage with shriveling, you're not getting extra clues. Yeah, you know what really saves money is just don't play any cards. That way you get to keep <laughs> I mean, think. I mean, think about it. Why would you? You, you don't get rich by playing a bunch of cards. Why do you, know? you play this in like Diana, where you have a deck that's like mostly combat or something? But then once you've ramped up your willpower, you want to switch to willpower without having to have a bunch of extra spells in your deck, so you can still like focus mostly on combat and then play this to switch over like mid game or something. Yeah, yeah. I think the off class mystics are getting a lot of really cool, uh, cool things to to help boost their gameplay. I know that somebody like Safina can also take it, and Safina, who's just really hungry to have a lot of spells that are events or like just like events in general, this could help a lot because she's not she doesn't necessarily need to use their arcane slots. Although, like, it would definitely be an alternative to using double double which is like the other kind of Safina big cool thing that she can use in terms of like being a big spell. Yeah. And Patrice can make use of this because her willpower is her best stat. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's actually true. I think like Patrice, if you're not going to use six cents or if you're going to use this instead of it, this might actually be pretty good for Patrice. Yeah. So I was actually thinking of this in terms of um, using it in. So my initial thought was Agnes. Uh, people made like a uh, crazy Agnes build where she would use fire axe to do a lot of things. So she could actually <laughs> use this and then use fire axe, like basically subbing her will instead of her combat. And then she'd be able to like be at a five with with her fire axe. Do you mean uh, do you mean meat cleaver? Is that what you mean? That's no, a fire Agnes, right? A uh, fire axe and meat cleaver. I mean, before meat cleaver came out, people were trying to do like dark horse fire axe Agnes briefly. Yeah, it doesn't work as well with fire axe though, because you couldn't pump money into the fire axe to boost your willpower or anything. Yeah, yeah. I can see it following up on like more builds that like you want to benefit from the willpower, but you don't want to build towards that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 in Patrice, I don't know. Actually, I was thinking about it. She already has cornered, so maybe, which already gives her crazy boost to all of her skills. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, but you could you could think of this as being like your third cornered kind of. Yeah, it doesn't have infinite uses though. It has the same thing as Spiritual Resolve though, where you can either choose to play another copy uh, for the three resources, or you can just trash one to yeah get two secrets back. It's great for Patrice because she doesn't necessarily get full use out of all of her cards without cornered, um, like kind of blanking them and turning them into mm. just static plus two bonuses. So I found that when I was playing cornered Patrice, a lot of the time I would just run into this rut where I'd dump like four cards into the first two skill tests and then the third skill test i was like well i don't know what i'm gonna do so like this would be that kind of solved because you'd start at your base whatever your will is and then go from there it's a good point for patrice too like maybe you haven't found your corner jet or whatever like you can but you have one of these down already you can just trash the ones in your hand as a as a free trigger to get yeah, more charges. Yeah, exactly. Because it's going to get discarded anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think worth worth considering for the kind of like weird mystics and subclass mystics, probably not worth playing for the sort of core ones like normal good stuff, Agnes and Akachi and whatnot, but not I think not as much of a disaster as Empower Self. Yeah, I agree. Let's let's move on to the next card. I'm uh, you know, I'm really I'm having trouble reading the the title of this card. Ben, can you help <laughs> me out and, and read the read the title of this next card? Uh it says Shiny Rhydon, which is a Pokemon. <laughs> No, I, I think that's I, I I think that's wrong. I think it's a. I read that somewhere. I don't know. I I I, I appreciate the effort. Uh, so this is Shining Trapezohedron, and it's a Mystic asset, cost one, level four. It has a willpower symbol, an intellect symbol, and a agility symbol. It's an item and a relic. It says. Reaction. When you would pay the cost of a spell card, exhaust Shining Trapezohedron. Instead, test Will X, where X is that card's resource cost. If you succeed, its resource cost is considered paid. If you fail, cancel the playing of that card without paying any of its costs, including its action cost. For the remainder of the round, you cannot play copies of that card. Takes up the accessory slot. That's pretty cool uh, for mystics that just want to really crank their will up to ridiculous levels and then use it for everything. Now you can even use it to pay for stuff. Very powerful. Very powerful indeed. Yeah, so this is like a maybe an alternative to using other cards that boost your resources. It, uh, it reminds me a little bit of the Black Book, which is uh, a story asset that you can get in Circle Undone, which is incredibly good for people like Agnes and Carolyn. I mean, yeah, this is pretty neat. It only works on spell cards, but you can play you can play a lot of spells. There's things like, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them you know, read, read the signs and all the assets like Shriveling and Sixth Sense. You know, even even like uh, if you haven't managed to use it, you could even use it for a word of protection and save a dollar, you know? Extremely good. Extremely good. And it only costs one, too. You'd expect something like this to cost at least three. Yeah. Because, like, the benefit that you could get is potentially, like, a ton, even in just, like, one action. You know, you might you might be playing, like, upgraded um, Right of Seeking, which is, like, cost five. And if you can get that down without paying for its cost, you're already netting, like, a whole bunch of resources. Yeah. I, I think this is really cool. And all you're really giving up for it is maybe, like, Holy Rosary, and you can either just play other things that boost your will instead or you can just get uh relic hunter yeah i think that for people who aren't akachi and agnes who already like have don't already have five it might might maybe not be as great just because it's it would be a little difficult playing those higher cost assets yeah but i think for them specifically it's really really great yeah it definitely saves you can save you a lot of money i'd say like in hard and expert though it's not as good just because you don't want to take extra tests necessarily. Yeah, that is true too. That is true. As much in hard and expert, or in, even in some scenarios in standard, sometimes there's like a very bad token that will make you fail. And but if you're playing a mystic, you're surely sealing all the bad tokens or playing, uh, you know, Alyssa Graham so that you can. Not, not everybody <laughs> does that, Dan. I know you love to do that. Wait, really? But are you yeah, serious? Really? 
Some people do, though. That is a good point, though, Dan. It, it could combo with that when you're stealing stuff, and then you don't have to worry about it. So I guess people were really, really uh, offended by by this, the name of this card for some reason, because it was it was extremely hard to say. Not that hard to say. It's just no. Shining Trapezohedron. Yeah. And looking here, the N-Gonal Trapezohedron Anti-Dipyramid Anti-Bipyramid or Deltahedron is the dual polyhedron of an N-Gonal Anti-Prism. Yeah. The faces are symmetrically staggered. Is that right, Dan? You're an expert on all types of shapes, so I assume. I already knew all of that. <laughs> yeah. All of So all of this sounds incredibly cool and just makes me want to play it even more. So mm. I'm very excited for this this specific shape. Remember when we talked about shapes? Welcome to for the final shape. This is the Shining Trapezohedron. This is the thousand and first shape of horror, except instead of a shape of horror, it's a shape of fun. <laughs> Hooray! For everyone. Definitely very easy to pronounce. I'm not going to pronounce it because you know, there's no need at this point. But, you know, people have come up with fun nicknames for it, too. Um, shiny T? I think I, I, I kind of like Shiny T. Shiny T. Shiny T. All right, here we go. Yeah. I think people should just learn how to pronounce words, but what do I know? No, it's not really necessary, especially in these times. Like, who are you, who are you physically talking to? Um, fair, fair enough, fair enough. So, the one last thing I wanted to mention on this was, it's a relic, which means Ursula can take it. Great. Oh. <laughs> I don't know, I guess she wouldn't want to. Let's move um, on. <laughs> can I just cut that? For, for all those spells that she can take. Like the Eye of Truth. Maybe someday, I don't know. Her willpower is a four, isn't it? Or is it a three? No, it's a three. <laughs> all right never mind just cut get it all that it's terrible read, read the next card dane <laughs> <laughs> the next card is a survivor card it's called nightmare bobble or nighty b nope. it is a one cost <laughs> one resource cost asset level three it has one will symbol and one wild symbol it is an item a charm and a cursed Limit one per deck. Forced. After Nightmare Bobble enters play. Search your bonded cards for three copies of Dream Parasite and attach them to Nightmare Bobble. When Nightmare Bobble leaves play, set aside each attached Dream Parasite out of, out of play. And then a triggered action when you reveal an autofail token. Shuffle an attached Dream Parasite into your deck and cancel that token. And it takes up the accessory slot. What a card. What a weird, weird card. The art on it is dope. <laughs> it, it is very cool. When I originally saw this, I thought that this would be, when you put it into play, all these dream parasites just went into your deck and horrible things happened to you. But this actually, like, guarantees that you can get at least one autofill off before you start having bad dreams and having these dream parasites go into your deck. What exactly does the dream parasite do, Dane? So the dream parasite... Do you mean dreamy pee? No. Dreamy nope. pee. Nope. <laughs> it's a bad a, trend. It's a weakness. It's a skill weakness. Um, it has two anti-wild symbols. No, they're still wild. They're still just wild symbols. It's a curse bonded to Nightmare Bobble. While Dream Parasite is in your hand, you must commit it to the next skill test you perform if able. This skill icon subtract from your skill value instead of adding to it. And then if the skill test fails, you take one damage more hair. Horror. So they're very bad. But it's very similar to Silas's book weakness, and you eventually get three of them, but you can cancel the autofail token once without any penalties. You're deciding to like probably make an important test where you draw an autofail pass for a future test that will be harder. It's kind of kind of the deal, right? Suck on that, Mateo. You're not just making the future test harder, you're also going to take a damage and a horror if you fail. And you also have to keep in mind that you are you have to draw this card you're putting more weaknesses in your deck so more of your future draws are going to be duds 
Uh, oh, it gets shuffled in. I thought it just went directly in your hand. Yeah. No, it gets shuffled in. I mean, that's actually a little bit less bad, I think. But uh, I no, I think that's worse. I'd I'd rather I'd rather get this in my hand immediately and not like later try to draw and desperately hope I find something and instead I get a bad weakness. Yeah, uh, I th- I think it's cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, compare it to uh, Seal of the Seventh Sign, right? Seal of the Seventh Sign costs like five or six, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that is preventing you from it being relevant throughout the game. This is like immediately relevant, costs one to play, and only asks your your uh, accessory slot right away. Then it starts getting bad for you. So if you can like, you don't even necessarily have to do that that trigger, right? Like if it's if it's kind of an irrelevant test that you auto failed, then you're like, oh, okay, whatever. But you can kind of keep this sort of as like a guarantee that you will succeed something in some cases. Yeah. Oh, I just noticed it is a limit one per deck. It is. Which means it is. like you might not even get it in a given game. Well, well, Patrice. Yeah, okay. Well. Well, but Patrice, then she'll <laughs> definitely get the dream parasites. That's bad. Now, actually, okay, can you can you somehow is there a way that you can get this out of your hand without committing it to something? If you like, you can't choose to discard it because it's a weakness, right? But yeah, you can't choose to discard it, and Patrice has to keep it. If you did something that made you randomly discard something from your hand, and you, as Patrice, conveniently made it so it was the only card in your hand somehow, then maybe. But I think that this is cool and fun. I kind of feel like there's probably better better accessory slots for most people, like Rabbit's Foot and stuff. But uh, it's it's kind of cool. If you're really worried about the autofail, this is like a fun way to prevent it. Yeah, yeah. I like it a lot. I mean, you could do something sneaky with this by like putting it into play without playing it. But unlike the, um, the Summon Town, this is after it enters play. So uh, yeah. probably can't dodge the Dream Parasites getting attached. But... Really cool card. I love the art for it. Again, Ethan Patrick Harris hitting it out of the park. I think uh, I think Dreamy P is a really funny name. I, <laughs> is that what the the yellow bird is attacking the guy? Is that Dreamy yeah? It's P? Dreamy P. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to the last let's card. Let's move on to the last card, please. Uh, last card is Scavenging. Uh, this is a level two survivor asset. Costs one to play. Two intellect commit icons. It's a talent reaction trigger. After you successfully investigate by two or more, exhaust scavenging. Choose an item card in your discard pile and either add it to your hand or play it, paying its cost. Very familiar card. I, don't... I resent having to talk about this card again. <laughs> so... Damn, it's been three years and scavenging finally has an older brother. Finally. Yay. <laughs> so the difference between this and the original the level zero one that came out in Corset? Yeah. Yes. It was uh, definitely that... in Corset. This gives you the option to play the card immediately for no action instead of just putting it in your hand and it has an extra icon on it that's it yeah <laughs> i mean playing it is definitely action compression right uh yeah yeah so like... it it also like imagine you have some kind of an item that you can like discard to investigate at instant speed or something then potentially you could set up some kind of infinite loop maybe like there's there's potential for something like that could you do something like on uh this on patrice where you discard something to cornered and then succeed on investigating and then get to play it? Yeah. You both got to commit it and play it or something? Yeah, you could do that. It says, yes, you could do something like that. I don't or, know. Yeah, or, or, <laughs> but, just, or just commit it or something, yeah. Yeah, I mean, t- I was trying to figure out Tommy could use this somehow, but he's not. You could even, like, you know, start investigating, commit something, and then when the investigate result, if you succeed by two afterwards, play the thing that you literally just committed, right? No, no that doesn't work because... But it's after you successfully investigate. 
Yeah, that triggers before the test actually ends. Oh, really? So the discards that you come in don't go are in the discard pile yet. But like, oh, okay. if you discarded something with cornered, those are in the discard pile. That's what I was saying. Right, right. Because it's a cost to boost your thing. I don't know. I think Interesting. Doesn't Min like to scavenge for some reason? Like she gets yeah. To, no. no. I mean, she also just goes through her deck so fast. Maybe she doesn't need to as much. Yeah, so I actually um, initially was looking at scavenging as a Min card because she can make use of a lot of weird items that might not necessarily have enough symbols or to be relevant. Like, I was using it in solo, actually. Um, I wanted to test to see if Min could actually do solo. And it actually went all right. I, I pushed her through the entirety of Carcosa and didn't die, which was exciting. <laughs> and I did it with scavenging and a bunch of items. So she used like Cherish Keepsake and Newspaper Level 2s, things like that, because you can just, when you don't have your Newspaper Level 2 out, you can commit them. And they commit for like three intellect, essentially, which is kind of nice. And then afterwards, when they become irrelevant, because you've gotten clues, you can just uh, bring them out with scavenging. And this even compresses you having to pay the one to put it out again as an action. So I think that that's kind of a cool benefit. But I was a little upset because I was originally envisioning this card to be really good in Tommy, but Tommy shuffles all his stuff away after he uh, it gets murdered. So he can't actually pull it back out from the discard pile. He's also not super great at investigating. He can do it. Yeah. Like when we did the All Guardian run, I would, I investigated with him a little bit, but primary investigation was hard. Yeah. I mean, the only other person I think that could, could really make great use of this would be like Wendy with lockpicks because she can pretty consistently succeed by a ton. But it's it's tough to find like items that are very, very good to want to have in play that are like limited use kind of things. Like if there were more things like the lantern and the shovel that, you know, you, you could pop to gain a consistent benefit from in that way and, and, you know, keep bringing them back this way, it might be a good consideration, but I don't believe there are at this time. Also, why isn't Joey the Rat red? Like, why can't why can't you trash all of your stuff with Joey the Rat and then scavenging them back? What the <laughs> oh, hell, man? That, that'd be fun. It's the combo we've all wanted. Preston can do that, right? Preston can get Joey and scavenging. I, th- I think Dan is too busy playing Animal Crossing Are, right are you guys done talking about this card? I am looking <laughs> at a Twitter thread about, like, late 90s rave posters and the aesthetic design uh, that is used in them, and it's great. It's the card nobody asked for. <laughs> <laughs> I like all cards. I'm sure it has some niche use. I, I like the Joey the Rat and using combo with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to use try it in Min with a good old item build. Did we pick the best art in this card? It's the Bobble, right? Uh, really? Yeah, I mean, in this whole pack, I like the Eye of Truth. Eye of Truth is pretty cool. Mind's Eye is pretty cool. Looks like she's envisioning the cosmos. I, I, w- I would go, like, either Abigail or Eye of Truth, probably. Abigail? Was, is there something weird going on with her? She's just, like, standing in the library holding books. She's very Jane Eyre looking. I kind of like the library she's in. I, I like the, like, the libraries that have, like, an- another story of shelves, but not, like, a floor, so you need, like, a giant ladder to reach them. <laughs> I just think, do you remember in The Mummy, uh, the really great 1999 film, The Mummy? Yeah. Where Rachel Weisz's character is the librarian, and she, like, is trying to get a book from a high shelf in a ladder, and she, like, knocks everything down, and she gets fired. Uh, I, no, I don't know. I mean, a lot of good art. It's all pretty cool. I like the I like the bubble. I actually kind of like the trapezohedron mostly because I didn't know that a anti bi pyramid nor an anti di pyramid were things, and I'm very oh, excited yeah. about that idea. What what even is an anti pyramid? You could you could even get like a stellated truncated anti bi pyramid or something. You can you can go nuts with this stuff. Uh, it's you know it's it's all good. I'm very excited to play all these things. Yeah, I think there's a couple cool cards in here. Yeah, they open up maybe some new deck opportunities. Listeners, who else is gonna introduce? shiny t and nighty b into their <laughs> decks for great use who else is going to try a scavenging build with men 
If you are, check us out on Facebook and Reddit, follow us on Instagram, or comment wherever you listen to podcasts, or email us at comments at mur.fm. Follow us on Instagram for updates on Ben's quarantine beard. Oh, that's not a thing that's going to happen. <laughs> but I, I just said it. How is that not going to be a thing? Definitely. Are you calling me a liar? No, no nobody, nobody wants to see that. Not even I want to see that. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. But like this, I, 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 I,